welcome to the Winging It F1 podcast. We've got a load of university deadlines coming up this week, but it's not going to stop us from previewing the Monaco Grand Prix. I'm here uh, with Freddie and Adam. One of them has been to Monaco, of course. I think you can work out which one of them that is. And the other hasn't quite been to Monaco, but he's been doing a lot of filming in Sheffield over the last few days. Uh, how are you both doing this week <laughs> not 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 only has freddie been to monaco there's rumors that he has a residency there and he lives there oh, for a, half the year and a day but unconfirmed and wouldn't want to put those allegations out there um i'm gonna be glad when this week's over to be honest after thursday it, it's i'm looking forward to that so yeah let's look forward to that i've en- i've enjoyed where adam's just said um don't want to put those allegations out there after blatantly making something up about me <laughs> Um, and also how Nigel implied that I've been in Monaco for the past few weeks while Adam's been doing uni work (laughs) (laughs) yeah I'm great I've got a tan from my lovely new flat in Monaco which I won't confirm nor deny and I'll happily receive one if anyone wants to give me one to be fair Nigel only said that I'd been doing uni work in Sheffield so you could have been doing uni work in Monaco but he he was saying that you were in Monaco so yeah, I'd just like to, to, again, make that clear because we don't want to be spreading uh, false allegations about Freddie. I try the best. I try to make all of my uni work international um, so oh, I don't. can. <laughs> <laughs> I do now. Um, now that I can, now that we can travel as of May 17th, we well, can go to Monaco, Portugal, the, the, the Falkland Islands. And that's about it. So I'm going to go to the Falkland Islands for um, fun. Well, now he's in Monaco. Anything, right. anything in Sheffield is international, so it you know it kind of it balances out. Get my Sheffield tan. There we go. Fred is getting a Sheffield tan. Uh, <laughs> you said that like that, that was the end got, of the podcast. Yes, yeah, so, something that has got a new colour, or will have a new colour. It's the yeah. McLaren livery. That's the worst segue in the world. Uh, they announced. Well, I mean, uh, you're, you're com- it's orange, like a fake tan. <laughs> yeah. Is oh, your yeah. tan fake? I thought no. it was. A, is it? Oh, okay. It's yeah. fake, anyway, like the Monaco again, allegations. Again, I, I wouldn't want to put that. Wouldn't want to put that out there that Freddie does have fake tan. If if it was indeed, and you know, on the off chance that it is indeed unfounded, I wouldn't want to be the one responsible for. for... Anyway, McLaren livery. There was a lot of hype. They're going to run a golf livery. Uh, which is what we saw at Le Mans a lot with McLaren in the 90s. We saw it with Ford and Porsche as well in the 60s and 70s, I think. Uh, so, yeah, I, for me, I think it's now the best livery on the grid. Is that something you agree with? Oh, it's great. It's nice for a one-off. Um, I think, you know, it's great because it's a history of motorsport livery. That's what makes it fantastic. And it's, you know... It's so iconic, the golf livery, that it's, you know, it's a really hard one to do a new spin on. But they've matched it to the McLaren um, pattern that was already there to that livery that we've had for the past season and a bit. And I think it works really well. I think it's really good. And yeah, great. Looks good. Well done. Everyone else should do it. Throwback. Throwback race. Everyone else did it. It'd be really hard to tell the cars apart. <laughs> but yeah, I think there's there's so so many black sponsors on it now, which kind of I think takes away the effect from it a bit. 
but you know it's it's very nice and like you say the way they've kind of um melded it with the livery that they've got at the moment and the car number styles i think is maybe the one that stands out most to me and the twitter um profile picture is probably even better than the livery in my eyes possibly my eyes only and they can't even see very well um but yeah i think as, as you say it's good for a one-off it's, just, it's what people wanted like as soon as golf were announced as McLaren. I think most fans mm. would have been thinking, oh, can they do that? And they have at Monaco. So, yeah. Yeah. Although, just... if they don't do well, that's going to be bad because then it'll be like, oh, yeah, and they had that really great golf livery and then they finished 18th. And yeah, so it's quite, it's a bit of a risk if things do go badly because it'll be remembered forever. Well, there is the, um, the, uh, the curse of the guest special livery that um, we saw with Mercedes in Hockenheim where they brought in that quite cool sort of anniversary livery with it harking back to the to the past with their white kind of old-fashioned German racing colours stripping out into the silver arrows of the day, um, which was fantastic um, and was what they blamed for them for two cars crashing on track, which is ridiculous. Um, they crashed was, off track, to be fair. Yeah, that's true, actually. They crashed off the track. Um, but, yeah. So that happened. And then, I don't know, there's probably some other examples of guest liveries having been cursed, but I can't be bothered to think of some. Oh, Red Bull double retirement when they did a Star Wars livery. Jaguar crashing out and losing a 300 grand diamond. That's one of my favourite stories in F1 history. Um, yeah. Mugello? Didn't go very well. Yeah, Ferrari Mugello got double points, I think. Oh, okay. Apparently not. Um, still like eighth and tenth, though. Um, but, Se- but Seb announced he was leaving, so that was a bit... Oh, oh yeah, to there we Martin go. overshadowed their big uh, weekend. So. so Lando Norris is going to move to Mercedes. Both McLarens are going to crash. And it's going to be even more um, marketing for golf. So win-win. Mm, simultaneously, they'll crash as Lando Norris is on the team radio. Going, <laughs> hey, guys, I'm moving to Mercedes. Oh, what's Ricardo doing there? Oh, bother. Oh, no. The Mercedes now have both got a 1-2 because I crashed. What a shame. And that's that's Lando Norris for the next 20 races. We again these allegations are are not true and are not founded in anything. But what is founded in things the, the ones is regarding that, in Norris aren't yeah. true. What is founded in in fact is that Saturday is going to be the 55th anniversary of McLaren's first ever race, which is fantastic for a reason why they've done this. So yeah. So Harking back to Bruce uh, McLaren. What a it's guy. Also- it's just quickly, it's also Williams's 750th F1 race. Uh, mm. It's not something I've seen. I think that's something that, you know, will get built up as the week as the week goes on. Is there anything you guys want to say on that, I guess? <laughs> no. no. Yes. Good. Um, they're doing um, a little activation where you can get uh, like and get like, your name on the F1 car if you apply for something, which is quite cool. It's a good bit of fan engagement. Um, and at the end of the day, they have done um, three quarters of a thousand Grand Prix. So fair play to them. There's only been a thousand and forty Grand Prix now. So makes you think, God, I only think of Williams as like a team from the late 70s. So they've done a lot have Williams. And you kind of have to think back. Yeah, they are still the, the team with the second most constructors championships in the history of Formula One. And it's nice to celebrate them. It's a shame that. We can't set up like it's a shame they're not doing like a similar thing with retro to what McLaren are doing because it's it's arguably a bigger reason. They've not yeah. got Martini as a sponsor anymore though, so it'd be 
No, they've not got any sponsors. No, that is that is also <laughs> true. It kind of it also um, shows the difference in what Williams joined the grid 30, 25, 30 years after Ferrari, and they're only two hundred and fifty odd races behind. If my math is correct, which it might yeah. not be, um, two hundred sixty yeah. odd. Shows shows how the Grand Prix have really ramped up. You kind of forget how few <clears throat> races and championship races they did have way back when. Yeah, and that just brings you into the whole how many non-championship races did they have, which was many. I don't um, know. And, and how like, many did they um, have? Many. And you'd have like different races that were called like different cups, and they weren't they were run to Formula One spec, and there was having like you'd have like say you go to Goodwood's racetrack and have like three races in a day, all with Formula One races but they wouldn't be at all anything to do with the Formula World Championship and that kind of thing. So there were thousands of races, I think, probably hundreds, maybe not thousands, but tons and tons and tons of races that just we wouldn't see it in that way today. Um, and yeah, we're talking about history because it's Monaco. So we can. Yeah. Yeah, it's always nice to see teams or drivers hit a milestone. And for Williams, 750 races is incredible for an independent team as well. You know, hopefully they do make it to thousand because that means you know they've been able to stay on the grid uh in the long term and stuff uh and it would be amazing if you know russell or latif we could get a point perhaps just to you know celebrate uh the the 750th race i know it's unlikely but at monaco you just never know i guess and it, it could take a spectacular performance of russell on saturday or something which you know he, he's been doing this year and last year so yeah we'll see how they get on but it is Monaco. We haven't had a podcast about it before because it was cancelled last year for the first time since, I think, 1959 or something like that. So, Monaco. Why? Well, weirdly, a lot of people don't like it, but us three, I think we've mentioned before, like ages ago, that we all do like it. So why do we like Monaco? It, it seems to perfectly characterise F1. It, it's just total excess everywhere. And that's kind of what F1 yeah. is fundamentally. Um, it, yeah, it just kind of fits the, the stereotype of F1. I think beyond that, it, it's genuinely unique. You know, there are tons of street races around the world or in, around the world of motorsport, but there aren't many that, or there aren't any that have just got the same mystique as Monaco, the same absolute challenge, because it is a proper driving challenge. Yeah, it's, it's just one to get excited. It, it's one to get excited about because of the event. It's kind of complete opposite of, you know, say Barcelona last week. Um, so, yeah, we just thought the week before, I don't know, sometime this year. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it, it just seems to perfectly, um, yeah, place the stereotype of, F1, it's a great race. Well, not the race itself, but it's a great event. So, so the argument is you can't overtake, the race is boring. What is your message to that, to people who think that, Freddie? I think um, it's it's a Saturday track. And to be fair, um, actually, if we're going to think about the races, um, 2015, really memorable race because Verstappen driving really fantastically and then Mercedes mess up with the pit stops. 2016, soaking wet, Ricardo versus Hamilton all the way through the race. Ricardo's pit stop mess up and fantastic, really exciting race through the field. Um, Alonso finished sixth or something in that race, which is mad. Um, yeah. 2018, you had that really kind of tense with moment with I mean, not much action on track, but you had Ricardo um, basically being in a car that should have been retired 
managing to still extend his lead, which I found incredibly tense. Um, and then 2019, you had something similar with Hamilton basically having to fend off a much faster Verstappen for something like 50 laps. And I look at that and think that's four of the last five races have been fantastic races, actually, and have been really memorable. And maybe it's not a racing track, but it's a track that you can have a good race at. Like, it's yeah, maybe you can't go side by side, but you can play the game. And yeah. I think it's really, it's, it's really exciting to see a track where if you put a foot wrong, you're going to lose if you and that's why qualifying there is so beautifully fantastic adam was talking there about sort of the excess of monaco and you get that in terms of an onboard camera around monaco the excessive speed is insane it looks like it's all on fast forward if you just to watch a steering wheel around monaco um on a on a, on a hot lap of qualifying say q3 pole lap you'll look at that and think oh my goodness what the hell is going on here why have they sped this up so much? It's not. That's the level of ability that these drivers have in these cars around this track. And I mean, I find qualifying mind-blowing even when it's around just like, I mean, the Imola qualifying this year was absolutely insane. And you look at that and think, well, how that's going to be in Monaco, that's going to be even bigger. But the margins of Monaco are famously small and stuff like that. And the margin for error is impossible. And it's, Oh, I just the challenge just epitomizes why people in Formula One are nutters, but fantastic nutters. Mm, it's it is the Saturday is one of the best um, qualifiers of the year because you know there's so much pressure on it, there's so much riding on it, and there's so little margin for error. So yeah, I definitely think I agree on that. It's a Saturday track and watch qualifying, not a Saturday's track though, because we don't have rights to those. We move. Yeah, that, I think Freddie summed, summed up what I wanted to, to say it perfectly there. I mean, to be racing at or driving at 150, 170 miles an hour in qualifying, millimetres away from the barriers, the risk versus reward only gets bigger. It's just phenomenal. I mean, Nelson Piquet said it's like riding a bike in, in, your, in, your, in your living room, which <laughs> obviously for some would be a lot easier than others. because Yeah, exactly. Nelson Piquet's probably got a massive living room. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. But what's your Monaco living room like, Freddie? It's tiny. <laughs> if I were to ride a bike around it, I would crash. <laughs> well, uh, but yeah, out it's of just... the window, the bike's not big enough for the living room. It's like a closet. <laughs> it's it's just a fantastic track, I think. And yes, there hasn't been an overtake for the lead. I mean, we were talking about it uh, the other day. There hasn't been an overtake for the lead since 1996, and even that was because. Alessi was on like dry tyres in the wet or something, <laughs> wet tyres were dry or something like that. Uh, there hasn't been a, no, a genuine overtake for the podium since 2006 when Raikkonen overtook Weber. So, yes, there, there, are, there aren't many overtakes, uh, especially near the front, but for me, I don't really care in a way because there's still strategy, you know, for the one pit stop and stuff. And especially this year, as, as we've seen, that has been crucial. But, you know, the Saturday alone, makes Monaco for me. I just absolutely love, you know, some of the best drivers in the world going at it at one of the most historic, if not the most famous motorsport venue in the world. And it is just, you know, mind-boggling to think the speeds that they're doing so you know so close to the to the walls and stuff. Mm, and and just following on from that, it is, you know, it's the only F1 race that takes place at a true iconic 
venue in the world, not just in the world of motorsport, but it's like Formula E doing a race around the Taj Mahal or like, I don't know, rallying at <laughs> Mount Everest. Monaco is if you show people a picture of Monaco 99 people out of 100 will be able to identify immediately is that famous a venue in the world and that's you know just racing fam- around that it's the famous venue of the racetrack it's the race that's made Monaco so famous in my view I mean obviously we're mm. we weren't you know growing up in like 1920 when Monaco was the jet set. Exactly. Um, and, and you look at Monaco and think that is the place where they race in the streets. What the hell? Um, why do they do that? It's narrower than my route to Tesco. So they can, and they're driving Formula One cars around there. So it's, it's just insane. It is just absolutely insane. And talking about qualifying there, um, I think, one of my favourite qualifying sessions of all time, just for sheer like craziness, was the 2017 Monaco Grand Prix qualifying. Which, um, so to paint a picture for that race, you had Fernando Alonso was overdoing Indies. You had Jensen Button came over and he hadn't he, he hadn't driven the 2017 cars. They were a whole whole new challenge. He hadn't been working out because he thought he'd retired from F1. He got in the car. He got to Q3. He outqualified Van Dorn. It's like wow, fair play, Jensen. And then on top of that, the Mercedes had been struggling a bit with um, tyres. It was a bit of a diva, if you remember, when the Mercedes was a diva. Lewis Hamilton qualified 14th. Valtteri Bottas qualified, I want to say, something like 7th or something random like that. Um, and then Kimi Raikkonen got pole. It's like, what are you doing, Kimi? You're not supposed to get pole. That's reserved for other people, like all the other drivers. And it was just like that qualifying was one of the best qualifyings for sheer number of storylines to come out of one qualifying session. If you're a journalist reporting on that one, you'd hate it. You've so much to write afterwards. Oh, there we go. Uh, let's see if there's uh, some more headlines to write this weekend. In fact, what do we think is going to happen? Uh, for me, I feel, and I, this might be quite bored, but I feel this weekend is a must win for Verstappen if he wants to win the championship. I, I if Hamilton wins this weekend, Verstappen second or third or whatever, I think realistically it's championship over. Is that something you would agree with? I, I know there's a long way to go, but I just feel, you know, momentum and stuff. And, yeah. No, I don't. All it takes is Lewis retiring in the next race, and you know, suddenly it's back open. I think there's still a lot of. Um, twists and turns to go I think you know championship over will be in the kind of spell of last eight races maybe something like that but I think at the moment he's still in touch and yeah it's these they're only a retirement away from you know dropping potentially 25 points and that's always on the card at least in the first half of the season I think the reason I think that is because it's kind of like last year when Bottas like after two or three races he was what 15 20 points behind and I kind of felt if Bottas doesn't win whatever the fourth or fifth race was. If he didn't win that weekend, which he didn't, it was championship, championship over there. And I, and I kind of felt, I kind of feel this is the same because I can only see Hamilton and Mercedes getting stronger. And I think, you know, you got to start, if you're Red Bull and Verstappen, you have to start clawing back points at some point, I think. I get what you're saying with that. I, I'm more inclined to agree with Adam that it's such a, such a long season. We've got two more races than we would do in in any of the longest seasons we've had before with 23 races. 
Um, and we've only had four of them. This will be the fifth. And that's just so, so early to be determining that. But I know what you're saying for momentum purposes and for mentality purposes. Because then if you've got um, Max going to the next few rounds going, I need to win this one, I need to win this one. And if he doesn't win those, that's when the mistakes start creeping in. That's where um, that move he did in Barcelona um, on the first lap to take the lead, that's where he starts to question it while he's doing it. And that's where he crashes and doesn't take the lead and puts himself out of the race. And if he puts Lewis and himself out of the race, that's fine because for Lewis, because no one's getting points. If he puts um, himself at the race, Lewis gets points. And it be- then it becomes a um, just a game of management for Hamilton and it becomes a game of um, absolute sort of dare and do for Verstappen. And I think, I get what you're saying. I think it really depends on if Hamilton wins, it, you could start to see a few sort of cracks in Verstappen, but I don't know. He's been so calm and collected over the past few rounds. I feel if Red Bull can't win this weekend, what track can they win at on, on pure pace? Because if they can't win at Monaco, I don't see why they can beat Mercedes on pure pace. That's but you can't you can't argue about... We can't make any comments about pure mm. pace because the Red Bull's taken... Um, what, it took pole in um, Bahrain by, uh, by a significant race chunk. Race okay, pace. race pace is an entirely different thing as well because um, we had different strategies across the board, but they've matched pace, haven't they? Um, well, they have Austria. I think Red Bull will be stronger there compared to Mercedes. And there's two races there, which we'll don't know if we'll get onto now, but yeah, well, like, as a, it, it, it just feels too, uh, you know, like I get what you say, I get what you're saying, but yeah, it, it just feels like you know, then if Verstappen comes out and wins in Baku and then it's like championship back open again, I, I, I wouldn't. Yeah, I think I'd, I'd be wary of closing it off until we're kind of in the final stretch, really. I think the Red Bull race pace and the Red Bull qualify, particularly the Red Bull qualifying pace, is exceptional. And I think Red Bull have been have just been beaten. They've been beaten strategy in two races, um, and they've had one or two little errors have got in their way in other races because Verstappen, what the margin to pole in Spain was uh, three hundredths of a second, uh, and and that can be made up by the mini sectors he did on his second lap anyway. You look at his deleted lap, which he made a mistake on in Portimao, uh, that was good enough for pole. You, you look at the mistake he made in Imola, that was good enough, made, meant that pace is there for pole. So that's four pole positions potentially that the car has shown the pace that it can do. So Monaco gets pole, which is Monaco. Uh, Rebel took pole when they were a second off Mercedes and now they're three hundredths off Mercedes. So at Barcelona so you know I, I think if there's any track for Rebel to dominate I really think it's this one I think yeah we can talk yeah. about if they don't win but I really think I really think this is the track that could have the most domination all year that's what I think too that's what I'm saying if they don't for whatever reason that's why I think like personally I'll say if Verstappen doesn't win this weekend I, I, I'll be shocked if he wins, wins the, if he wins the championship um, oh, what are you going to do if it happens? What's the, what's the forfeit? What's the forfeit? <laughs> no, not shock. What physical forfeit? Like, I don't know, jump into a dam or something. <laughs> jump into a dam? That's yeah, jump off a dam into a reservoir. <laughs> <laughs> Nigel's yeah. got to do some bungee jumping if um, 
Hamilton. I'll do that. Yeah, I'll, I'll bungee jump. I'll bungee jump. Nice. I, but I'd like to bungee jump anyway. So I'd, I'd, if I'd, yeah, if, I Russell, if Russell doesn't I'll win this weekend, then I'll, I'll bungee jump. <laughs> Whoa, what a forfeit! Right. Uh, let's talk a bit about Ferrari because I know Freddie thinks they can do very well. I think Leclerc can get onto the podium this weekend. I, I, I really think Ferrari have got strong chances. That. What, what do you make of their chances, Adam? Um. Yeah, I mean, when you've got the clothing, you've always got a good chance. I think podium, yeah, uh, feels a bit a bit of a stretch personally. Um, I think if you were going to predict them for a podium, this for well for me that wouldn't be the track to do it. But yeah, I think it's still, it still still feels quite hard to put them ahead of McLaren to be honest, just based off what we've seen. But yeah, this could be. It could be quite a seminal moment in the season if they are able to do that. And yeah, Leclerc didn't have a uh, a great experience in Monaco last time, so interesting to see if he can uh, rectify that. See, I I think if there's any po- if any track where where Ferrari, okay, I'll start again. I think if there's any track where Ferrari could get a podium, it is Monaco because you look at their pace in the fiddly bits, the final sector of Barcelona, they were on par with the Mercs, I think there. So. You look at that and transplant that to Monaco, which is Monaco, and you think, hang on a second, these guys are a match for them, surely. So I reckon you can see particularly Charlotte. And Carlos Sainz is actually, we're saying Charlotte, Carlos Sainz has been performing fantastically in qualifying in, in the Ferrari as well. And he's got form, uh, he's got a few good form laps in him from previous Monaco races. So I think, honestly, I do think both Ferraris could well be in the fight with probably Bottas and Hamilton. And so Perez. Too. I think the only driver yeah. who's probably clear from them is probably Verstappen. Yeah, I, I think I think this year's Ferrari is giving both sides and Leclerc confidence. And confidence is exactly what you need at Monaco, you know, if you want to build yourself through practice. Oh, yeah. Get closer and closer to, to the barriers and stuff. So I, I think the car is capable of, of, get, of getting close to Mercedes and Red Bull. And for me, they've got probably the best driver lineup on the grid and I think and we all know how good Leclerc is in, in qualifying. So yeah, I think they can do something special, I think. But, yeah. If you look at how more mature Leclerc is can, compared to his previous Monaco drives, his previous one was a mistake by the team and he didn't get out of Q one. But he did he had good pace when he was far back in the Ferrari. Um and made a few yeah made a few sort of rash moves that you get from a youngster but he's so much more mature he's had a whole season beating Sebastian Vettel in that car and his his sort of accomplishments this year in that car have been brilliant it's not what is it two fourths and two sixths I want to say um across across the races and that's yeah really good I think I don't know I, I I'm kind of wary of over um I feel like in general, I and probably we um, overestimated overestimate the chances of like the midfield cars. Just generally, I think most fans do of yeah getting that. Getting that well, I don't know. So. I don't know. You look at you look at the pace in Imola, um, and Norris did a lap that was good enough to be a hun- um, good enough to be third on the grid, a few hundredths off um, the pole position time, and. Leclerc was fourth for that. It was a couple of only basically what a couple of tenths off um, off Hamilton's pole time, and 
there were there were times when we would say Ferrari are challenging for the win, where they were way off that in qualifying, but they were still challenging for the win. So, it. But how how many times do they get a podium or do midfield cars get a podium? Last yeah, season there was some Bonica, because of the but that's the point. That's that's why that's why we're saying it's different to that. We're saying there's more elements of that that means it's it's less like that. It's more of a drive the circuit as well. So the driver makes a massive difference in the clerk, you know, if he gels on it. I I can see him generally getting second row start in like the third place or something. The proof that it's a driver's track is Yano a qualifying track even is Yano truly won a race there. And he's not a race driver, he's a qualifying driver, and that's it. When when was the last surprise podium at Monaco? Sergio Perez in twenty sixteen, I guess, was pretty surprised. Um I don't know, but this year the field's been closer than ever in the Turbo Hybrid era, by far. Like, there's no fact, yeah, there's been no overseas where it's been this close ever. This is yeah, by a long stretch. So I think, you know, it's, it's a bit different. Like, You're last right, year, if the you chance- look at the final sector in Spain, I reckon between Mercedes and the rest, there was like three or four attempts, maybe. I'm just, making, I'm just guessing. Whereas now Ferrari are literally half a tenth away from Hamilton and Bottas. So yeah, you're you're right. The, the the Mercedes and Rebel are on you know normally a faster car and like traditionally like yeah the clerks drop off to um to the top two in Spain proves that. But you know if there's anyone who can get in the mix and if there's any weekend they can get in the mix, it's this one. Mm. Uh, let's have some predictions then. Uh, podium. I'm going to go for Verstappen, Hamilton, Leclerc as a podium. Hamilton, I was going to go Bottas. I was going to go the same as Nigel, Verstappen, Hamilton, Leclerc. <laughs> you can. You still can. It's still available. I have. I have just done. Okay. And what was yours, Adam? Sorry. Um, Hamilton, Verstappen, Bottas. But if it's not that, then I'll go Bundy jumping. <laughs> Okay. Uh, yeah, let's quickly just finish off then with a bit of calendar news. Uh, Turkey has been cancelled, unfortunately, due to travel restrictions, I think it was the reason. And instead, we've got two races in Austria, just like last year. France has moved two. So it now goes France on the 18th, uh, the first Austrian race on the 25th, and then second Austrian race on the 2nd of July. Is this something we like, or do we prefer to have seen a different track rather than a second Austrian race, perhaps? I'd rather see Canada on there, but um, yeah, I, mean, I don't know. I think it, it's just the easiest, and I think this this grid slot has been best around so much already that this is just F1 wanting to play it safe and just get it locked in because yeah, just staying in Austria, although it's you know it's it's still good. I think both Austrian races last season were. Terrific, and we can hopefully expect that again. It, it's not a bad, it's not a bad compromise, but you know, in, in an ideal world, I would have preferred to see some other tracks on there. In an ideal world, yeah, but unfortunately, it's too late to think about anything like sorting out travel to anywhere else because, like, they had just enough time to sort out travel, sort out travel to Turkey. But now it's kind of like we've already got plans to travel to Austria. Let's just leave it at that. Let's not try and go to somewhere far flung or. Um, organise people to go on a triple header again um, to sort of wangle their way across Europe somewhere, be it Nürburgring or Hockenheim or somewhere, which would have probably been suitable, but it's just 
it's just so much easier to do this and it's 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 the common sense move and it's like adam says great track it's Same just a france. road trip though though france to yeah. austria to germany quite fun that's a lot it would be yeah. i also i also think we'll see turkey later in the season anyway it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if you know other races pull out and turkey comes comes back in and that kind of thing <clears throat> who knows we don't know we can't predict anything yeah, true. But we just did. Yeah. We predicted that Monaco wouldn't happen at the start of the year. Uh, yeah, away from the track action, Freddie, I believe there is some off-track stuff with the new F1 game. Do you want to tell us what is going on? Because I don't really know about it. Oh, yes. Um. So there's the My Team function in the F1 game, which is breathing new life into career mode as of F1 2020, which is where you can have your own team in the game, which is fantastic and is really cool. And you're like the manager of that team and you drive for that team and you can hire a driver for that team and stuff like that. And so now there are some, because it's, you know, it's a story. It's a bit of fun. It doesn't have to be uber realistic. There are some other options for um, drivers and they are icons. So they're icons of Formula One, historic figures that you can just bring into Formula One. And we have, Seven-time world champion Michael Schumacher, four-time world champion Alan Prost, three-time world champion Ayrton Senna, one-time world champion Nico Rosberg, one-time world champion Jensen Button, one-time championship runner-up Felipe Massa, and David Coulthard. Um, all icons <laughs> of the sport. <laughs> I, That's no, me on I, DC. Two-time, I think, runner-up DC, to be fair. Um, no, and I it looks like cool. It. It's great. I it's think, a really fun idea. I think it's good having those, those two in, though, because it... Yes, you've got these icons, but there's kind of different, I guess, levels. There's the absolute legends, and then there's um, JB Rosberg, who are, you know, kind of more more modern championship winners. And then you've got Massa and Coulthard, who are runners up. And it's just, yeah, it's like bringing different levels in. I think that brings a lot more than if they put, I don't know, like PK and someone Absolutely. else who I can't think of, yeah, or Hakkinen or something. Then I think it brings a lot more to that and you can finally try and win the championship with Felipe Massa at Interlagos and be happy um, but yeah it's kind of annoying that they keep doing this now because like every year I think oh I should get this but I know that I didn't play it enough last year to justify it so yeah it's kind of annoying on the one hand that they're now revamping it brilliantly but there you go I know that I do play it over over and enough way too much and I'm on to season 7 of my F1 2020 career mode and I haven't played it for a month. And if I have been playing it for that month, it'd be on like season nine. So that's the thing. And it only goes up. Like, it's amazing it actually does that much. But um, like, it's gone around so much that um, oh, I'm trying to remember who's in what team. I think Charles Leclerc has left Ferrari. He's joined Alpha Tauri. He's joined my team. He's joined a different team. And now he's back at Ferrari. Not so much it's wiggled around. Um, and I think, oh, Esteban Ocon got pole for Red Bull at a race the other day. It's just like, what's going on? But it'd be great if you just see, like, just, yeah. Like a Rosberg v. Hamilton fight, just that you just kind of made up, is fantastic. Or a, um, a Senna versus Schumacher championship fight that we were cruelly denied that would be fantastic as well. It And, yeah, it, I think it's just only going to get more and more. We'll start to see drivers like Damon Hill probably and Mansell and Hacken popping up and lesser legends as well, more like, you know, someone like, Pedro Diniz or someone like that it's completely random we just pop up because there'll be like a fan campaign for some random driver maybe you get Pastor Maldonado in there that kind of thing and I think it'd be fantastic there's, there's so many opportunities to expand this um, this sort of in-game universe and 
rather than limi- limiting it to the 20 drivers who are on the F2 grid in that year and the 20 drivers on the F1 grid. You can bring in sort of, I don't know, maybe bring in like Grosjean and Magnussen who have been hardwired into the game for the past five or six years and theoretically would still be on the driving market or someone like Hulkenberg. And it just gives you the kind of hope for the future of F1 games, which as someone who sort of followed F1 games for a long time, about five years ago, we had no hope for these games. We all thought they were going to be just crap, frankly. And F1 2015 was terrible. And you couldn't even input your own name into it. You had to play as a driver. There wasn't a safety car because it was too complicated or something. And they've got over all of those hurdles and they've got over all the hurdles that FOM threw in there, like with driver transfers and stuff like that. So now these games are just getting better and better and better. And like, you know, it's an easy one to say it's no FIFA, but nothing's a FIFA in terms of this kind of in-game universe, but it's actually kind of getting there now. So mm. I think well it, done, is, it, is, it is getting there. And yeah, like you say, there's, I think it's on the one hand, there's, you know, they still got to update it every year and bring the tracks in and all of that. So don't want to kind of, demand too much of them but it's yeah it's like it feels like this guy's limit in terms of where their imaginations can take them I think contrary to you I got to about um Vietnam practice of my first season on my team and mm-hmm. didn't get any further um that's the Vietnam yeah, track for you and I also can't input my name because it didn't allow it so I have to be Adam Adams Oh, there's genuine, yeah, <laughs> no. there's not, no there's genuinely I can't I can't <laughs> my, my surname into it oh dear all right, well, there we go. Uh, Freddie and Adam are going to try and make some stories on the new F1 game. We're going to go back to try and find some stories in Sheffield and uh, including investigating some stuff, even though I don't do that module. And hopefully there will be some stories after Sunday's Monaco Grand Prix when we will be back to review it all. So yeah. until then, we will say goodbye. Adios. What's goodbye in Monaco? Monica, is it, oh, it's just Monica. a mess. Au revoir. Au revoir. Au revoir. Au revoir.